You're listening to the DCC Sermon Podcast. Let's join in for this week's message. The title of my message is The Bread of Life. Romans 12, 2, it says, uh, Do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that is a process. Transformation is a process that we go through. And... Uh, and that process is also taking place in our church culture here in America. And um, it's not something different that God's doing. Uh, it's more like a reordering and a course correction uh, of the original intent and of the mandate that has always been there. And, uh, and because God never changes, we do. And so in this transformation, that inward perspective has to change in, uh, about who God is and who we are as his people. And so there's a lot of things changing. And when God peeled back the veil that actually blinded us from being able to uh, uh, see how weak the faith was in our church, culture, does that make sense, uh, uh, and the lack, it revealed the lack of fruit that was actually being produced in the body of Christ, uh, in believers. Um, in Hebrews chapter 12, uh, verse 25, it says, see to it that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if those did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less shall we escape who turn away from him who warns from heaven. And his voice, his voice shook the earth then, but now he has promised saying yet once more, I will shake not only the earth but also the heavens. And this expression, yet once more, denotes the removing of those things which can be shaken as of created things in order that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. And so here, here's what you have to understand is that God's voice is speaking. And for us to be able to hear it, there was some things that had to be peeled back the layer as when God begins to draw that line in the sand, he wants us to, re there, there's, he wants it to be clear and precise. Here's what I'm doing. Here's where I'm going. And, and, and it's like when he begins to speak, it's like it, it can be uh, trying to tune in. Look in, hold on, let me show you in, in Joshua uh, 24, I want to show you something. You're saying, well, I haven't heard God saying anything. You, you probably have, it's just you didn't recognize it that it was God. Because I'm telling you, God's been speaking. And, and I want to show you something right here in Scripture. And it's in verse 2, it says, And Joshua said to all the people, 
This is very important. He said, and Joshua said to all the people, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel from ancient times, your fathers lived beyond the river, namely Terah, the father of Abraham and the father of Nahar, and they served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from beyond the river and led him through all the land of Canaan and multiplied his descendants and gave him Isaac and to Isaac I gave Jacob. Listen, did you see that? It says Joshua said to all the people and then immediately in verse three, it is almost like Joshua was sitting there talking and said to all the people and then in verse three it says, I led your fathers. It's like Joshua stepped aside and God stepped in and began to speak through Joshua. And for the rest of the chapter, if this is the chapter where Joshua de declares, as for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. It's like when God begins to talk about and give them their history. God begins to give his people their history. Why is that important? Because of covenant. He begins to explain, I'm your God. I've been leading you from way before you was even born. Your fathers, your great-grandfathers, this is what I've been doing. And God begins to tell them through Joshua. And, at, and then it's amazing because in that verse where Joshua declares that, it's like, he says, and if it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourself today whom you'll serve. But it's like Joshua steps out. It's like Joshua was hearing what God was saying through his voice. And he goes, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. That's that line that was drawn in the sand. But what you have to realize is God is saying something. It just may not look like what you would think. It might be pearl snaps in a western shirt and not a robe. But don't think it's not God. Come on, are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Now them people could have sat back and go, well, that's Joshua talking. And they would have totally missed it. No, it was God talking to them. See, God is saying something and we've been forced to have faith since 2020. Amen. We have been forced to hear what God is saying and doing in the land. We've been forced to listen and pick up on the prophetic voice of the voice that's shaking the heavens and the voice that is yet once more shaking the earth. So that everything that is not of God, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. No matter how difficult the demand is, no matter how much work it is, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. That's what Joshua was saying. 
because God said it through him. And so we've got to realize that God is saying things in our day. It just may not be in King James Version. See, we're seeing the earth shaking and the heavens shaking is causing the kingdom of darkness to ramp up their assault. And it's against moral, biblical truth. There's never been more of an assault on moral, biblical truth than in the day in which we live right now. And Paul tells us clearly in a letter to Timothy exactly what to look for. In 2 Timothy 3, he says, realize this, in the last days, difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. They have denied the power of the Holy Spirit to transform their lives. I mean, how many of y'all seen it on Facebook, sending up prayers? No, you're a heathen. Who, where, are you, where are they going? Who, who are you sending up? What? what? Come on holding to a form of godliness, but they deny the power of it to change their lives. And it sounds good to say, oh, we're praying and sending up prayers. Come on. But when you look at the signs these is the, of these difficult times, we're in them. It ain't, they're not coming, we're there. And so we've got to realize how do we step over from just saying we're sending up prayers and the prayers of a righteous man availeth much. Come on. How, how, where It's transformation. And that's what the reordering, it's a transformation that's happening. And it comes... Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. Everybody wants signs and miracles and all of that. But that doesn't transform you. Hear what I'm saying. Signs and miracles. The Red Sea parting. Ten plagues did not change those people. eating the bread that fell to the earth every day for 40 years did not change those people. Choking on quail <laughs> did not change those people. Seeing water coming out of a rock in the middle of a desert didn't change those people. Are you hearing what I'm saying? What transforms our life is a steady diet of the living word, bread of God. That's what changes your life. Look in John chapter 6. We're going to look in 
verse 35. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall not hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me shall come to me, and the one who comes to me I will certainly not cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that of all that he has given me I lose nothing but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him may have eternal life, and I myself will raise him up on the last day. See, all these difficult times are brought on from people who have a hunger and a thirst for those things that are only temporary and they only satisfy the flesh. That's why the difficult times are come. And when we can't differentiate between the flesh and the spiritual, when we can't hear what the voice of the Lord is doing and where he's going and what he's doing, it's because we haven't been fed a spiritual bread of life. It says, all who come to me and all who believe. See, there's two things there. You got to come to him. You got to join up. There is a joining that takes place. And then there is a thirsting. There is a believing that takes place. A believe is a trusting in and a clinging to. Why do we have to come and join and cling to? Because everything in the natural that's temporary that only wants to satisfy your flesh is going to be trying to pull you away from him. And he tells us, hey, this is the will of God is that I finish that work that's on the inside of you, that I'm able to keep you, that I'm able to finish what started. He loves me when I'm lost. He loves me till I'm found. His love, it surrounds me. I can't get away. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. That's the will of God. I'm always right here in the midst of your mess. If you'll have a constant, steady diet on the word of God, I am the bread of life. I am that word. If you'll have a steady diet of me, I will transform you from the inside out and that will satisfy you. You'll never be hungry and you'll never be thirsty. Flesh profits nothing. And unchecked, it only produces death and adversity. Death and adversity is dream killers. Goals. It's a goal killer. It's a vision killer. It kills finances. It kills families. Come on. Death and adversity robs you 
of some of the most important things in your life, it ain't, it's, it's not just dying and decaying. No, it's dream killers. It's vision killer. It's, come on, are y'all with me? See, this all, when we realize, when this all got out of order, it's come because the church got out of alignment. When God's people got out of alignment, then all this other stuff was allowed to take place because the church wasn't being regenerated like it was supposed to be. Does that make sense? We weren't allowing it to regenerate our lives. The bread of life to start taking place on our spirit man. Our spirit man, when we come to Jesus, is going, yes, yes. And it's connecting and it comes alive. And if we don't feed it the word of God, then it just kind of lays there dormant. And then our flesh man is going, no, I don't want, you know, I don't need none of that. I don't, you know what I'm saying? See, religious church programs, duties and obligations changes absolutely nothing on the inside of us. It doesn't change nothing. See, that's just holding to a form of godliness. That's what that's about. Last week, the Holy Spirit showed me something that was so powerful when he said, it's anti-Christ. He didn't say anti-Jesus because, see, the church wants to have the appearance. They love the ideal of Jesus. See, it's anti-Christ, anti-anointed one. See, the, the enemy's goal is to make us have a, an appearance of Jesus, an appearance of the anointed one without the anointing of the one. Because it's the anointing that breaks the yoke, that the bondage, it heals the captives. It, it's the anointing of God that begins to change us on the inside and the anointing of God that begins to grow our spirit man that overcomes our fleshly man. And there's no way around that. That is the way the kingdom of God works no matter how our church culture has become. Saying a prayer, waiting to go to heaven does not change you on the inside. Are y'all with me? A constant steady diet of truth will transform our lives to live in the righteousness of the anointed one. A steady diet of truth. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. He is the bread of life. So when we feed on that bread, which is the truth, that truth begins to change us from the inside out because it changes our character. Your character on the outside cannot be changed unless the inside begins to change. Does that make sense? Because we're lovers of pleasure, lovers of self, boastful, arrogant, gossips, 
All that cannot be changed unless the inside changes and that you see the truth. This is what I was, but now this is who I'm becoming. Because the church must look like him. And if we don't feed on a steady diet of the word of God, then we just look like the world and not look like him. Holding to a form of godliness, but denying the power of it. And only the anointing can do that. Because lovers of self, lovers of pleasure, lovers, all that can't be broken without the anointing. Come on, are y'all with me in here? See, this is all part of the line that's being drawn in the sand that we realize, wait a minute. I've got to transform into the character of Jesus. And your spirit man is going, yes. And your flesh is going, no. Because it's uncomfortable to our flesh to admit that we're cheats, gossips, come on, that our character's horrible. Come, we, we don't like that. See, when the believer doesn't allow the power of the Holy Spirit to work on the inside spirit man, we don't get regenerated believers that look like Jesus but they look more like the world. And we can't have that. In Titus chapter 3, verse 7, it says, He saved us not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to His mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. Listen, He is pouring out on us richly the Holy Spirit to be able to regenerate our lives from the inside out. See, God is not just after the natural man, but he's after the spirit that he has put on the inside of us. That's why Jesus said those those that God gave me, I'm not going to lose. The work I started in you, I'll finish. In James chapter 4 and 5, it says, or do, you not, or do you think that the scripture speaks to no purpose? He jealously desires the spirit which he has made to dwell in us. Why is that? Because the spirit man is the one that communicates with heaven. And the spirit man has to learn to listen and hear what's going on. And the spirit man on the inside of us is the one that's connected. Your flesh man hears nothing of godly things. It is in total opposition to God's things. It is in total opposition of what God's kingdom is all about. 
And so God jealously desires our spirit man to be connected with the kingdom of God and to be listening and tuned in to be able to say, as for me and my house, we're serving the Lord. Doesn't matter what's going on. That's what God's after. See, our fleshly man loves the ideal of Jesus because of the benefits. <laughs> I spent years watching bull riders pray, getting their fire insurance. Lord, if you'll just, if I live through this bull ride and then go live like heathen and then come back next bull. Lord, didn't they, Mike? I mean, everybody's religious for eight seconds. <laughs> we all love the ideal our spirit man is quickened and alive through coming and believing and is now hungry for more and our flesh is screaming no more no more flesh never wants to come clean you know why flesh doesn't want to come clean and admit wrong? Because the devil makes them think that shame is more powerful than the anointing. God hates shame because shame keeps you from going further with God because it keeps you drawing away from God. And God wants you to draw near to him. See, that's why we are saved on according to his mercies and not according to deeds we have done, because he knows shame will never allow us to come to him. Oh, I'm just not good enough. Oh, just give me a little corner in heaven and I'll be good. And that's fine with me. Come on, that's, no. That's not what God, God wants you to have all of everything that he made you to be, that he died on the cross for us. He wants us to be set free from all of that. And we can't let shame in our past failures and sin keep us from walking into the fullness of God. Because he is the bread of life. What kind of God would that be if we couldn't experience the fullness of who he is is because of, because of our sins? Oh, well, you can only get this close. There's no power in that. No, the power of the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all it says. And now we can approach the throne with confidence and boldness because of what he did, not because of what we did. So we can bombard heaven with our prayers, with our wishes, with our demands. Oh, demand? Yes, that's what prayer means. Come on, when's the last time you put a demand on heaven? 
Lord, I pray this sickness get out of my household. Lord, I pray this sickness. Peyton last night, I mean sickness was coming on her. She come into the fellowship hall and she just stopped right in front of me. Pray right now. Okay. We get, we're going home. Keep praying. Come by. Pray. So we all pray. Come on. If a 14-year-old can put a demand on heaven and he heard, come on. God wants us to come. God wants us to. God wants us to. God wants us to be changed from the inside out. Galatians 5, 17, for the flesh sets its desire against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another. So yes, you got a war going on in you right now. All the time. There's this war between your spirit man and your flesh. And you can't let your flesh occupy what the spirit of your spirit man should be occupying. Come on. See, this is what separates us from being members or being disciples. Jesus speaks to the heart of man that makes the flesh cringe, but the spirit comes alive. The spirit is alive on the inside of you. See, the words of Jesus are alive, they're active, and they're speaking always to our inner man that is connected to the kingdom of God. But the problem is, is that our spirit man is surrounded by our fleshly man in the midst of all these selfishness, self-centered gossips. Come on, lovers of pleasure, lovers of money, irreconcilable, haters of good. Come on. It is eternal life that we are all drawn to. Come on, how many of y'all ever heard oh, the, all the movies about utopia, about the Holy Grail, the, you know, where, uh, that utopia is a place of ideal perfection in laws and government and social conditions. See, that's how we got now to where we're at. Well, what's your truth? How does that make you feel? It's choice and preference because they think that's a utopia. They think that's the perfect ideal that you can just do whatever you want to do. Oh, I felt like going robbing the store today. Well, that's wrong. Well, no, you said my truth is my truth. I needed a six-pack of Budweiser. So I went and robbed the place. Is that right? No. See, there's got to be laws. And so when you take out absolute biblical truth, you have no biblical worldview anymore. And that's where we're at. No biblical worldview. Because we hadn't been transformed. The very words of Jesus Christ, the very living word, breathing word, it quickens our spirit man with a resounding yes that our flesh is momentary willing to listen. See, Jesus 
he would say things that would even confuse our flesh to go, oh, wait, wait, that, yeah. But then all of a sudden our flesh goes, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, this is freaking me out here. Look in John chapter 6. And Jesus is always speaking to the spiritual. In John 6, verse 15. See, when we read that, and hear what I'm saying, everybody knows he is the bread of life. Everybody knows that. But the problem in our knowing that We don't look at the whole chapter of what's going on. And so we just pluck out, he's the bread of life. And we like that. But we don't see all the demand and all the the hard things that he just uh, turned the world, he turned people upside down. And we don't, see the whole concept of what he was talking about. But Jesus begins to preach. And as he begins to preach, there is a multitude around him. And then Jesus in this preaching and, you know, people are being fed. He feeds the 5,000 people. And those people are satisfied with the flesh because Jesus did a miracle right in front of them. But remember, it ain't the miracle, it ain't the sign that changes our life. Are y'all with me? It hooks our flesh, come on, momentarily, But then Jesus goes deeper than that. Jesus is always going to go deeper than what even your mind can handle. But if you can hang on, he's going to change something on the inside of you that's going to connect with heaven. Come on. And it's going to make what goes on in the natural becomes something that draws the world to you. Come on, look here. Verse 15, Jesus therefore perceiving that they were intending to come and take him by force. Now after he preaches and after he feeds the 5,000, these people understand this cat's from God. And Jesus perceiving, listen, They were fixing to come and set him up as king in the physical. But what Jesus was doing was more than just a throne here on earth. Come on, are y'all with me? So he withdrew again to the mountains by himself. Now when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea. And after getting into a boat, they started to cross 
the sea to Capernaum and it had already become dark and Jesus had not yet come to them and the sea began to be stirred up because of a strong wind was blowing. When therefore they had rowed about three or four miles, they beheld Jesus walking on the sea, drawing near to the boat and they were frightened but he said to them, it is I, do not be afraid. They were willing, therefore, to receive him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. Put the picture up. Now, it, when it said, the, see the Sea of Galilee right there? See Tib Tiberias and Capernaum. Does everybody got it? Say amen, say I got it. Okay. He was in Tiberias and he was headed to Capernaum. So when it says they were crossing, they weren't crossing, they were cutting the corner. And from my best it's like eight miles to row. But it's a 10-mile or 12-mile walk around. So Jesus withdraws. He fed 5,000 people right there. And they're all fixing to take him by force. And they're going to make him king. And so he gets his disciples and he tells them to go. They row about three or four miles across rowing and they ain't getting nowhere. He comes walking in the midst of the storm and I truly believe he'd have walked right on past them if they wouldn't have said something. And they said something to him. He gets in their boat and it says immediately immediately they gained four more miles. Four more miles. Here's what you need to understand the day in which we live and not to be freaked out about. Spiritual law supersedes natural law. You, you gotta you gotta get a hold of that. Because we're living in a day, we are covenant people. And if we are fed on a spiritual diet constantly of the bread of life, that supersedes the natural law of what's going on around us. We need that right now more than ever. And so, as the story goes on, what you see is, is the people get in their, get, some get in their boats and they're headed to Capernaum. They're still trying to track him down. Some take walk around. Well, then all of a sudden they get over there and huh, he's there. And they're like, 
wait a minute. We didn't see him get in a boat. Well, we didn't see him walking around with us. So how did he get here? Those kind of things tend to freak our flesh out. You know? Jesus isn't even done yet with freaking these people out. This is a very long chapter. And he's got a lot to say. And in verse 22, <laughs> it's so funny. He says, the next day the multitude stood on the other side of the sea, saw that there was no other small boat there except one, and that Jesus had not entered his disciples, entered with his disciples into the boat, but that his disciples had gone away alone. It, these are all head scratchers here. There came other small boats from Tiberias near to the place where they ate the bread after the Lord had given thanks. When the multitude therefore saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the small boats and came to Capernaum seeking Jesus. And when they had found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus he doesn't explain, hey guys, oh, I just I was just strolling across the water. No. He had done satisfied their flesh enough, and now he's fixing to cut straight to the heart of the matter. And he goes head first. Truly, truly I say to you, you seek me. Not because you saw signs, because you, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. See, they're seeking him on a temporary satisfaction. Jesus goes on. He says, do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man shall give to you, for on whom him, the Father, even God, has set his seal. They said, therefore, to <laughs> this is always good. See, their flesh is still unbeknownst to them what's really going on. They said, therefore, to him, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to him, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. I love this part because we all do this. They said, therefore, to him, what then do you do for a sign that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness as it was written. He gave them bread out of heaven to eat. Yeah, and they all died there. And they all died in the wilderness. <laughs> Jesus goes right back in. He said, therefore, Jesus said, therefore, said, Jesus therefore said to them, truly I say to you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread out of heaven, but it was my father who gives you the true bread out of heaven. 
For the bread of God is that which comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. They said, therefore, to the Lord evermore, give us this bread. Jesus said to them, they wanted it right up until they didn't want it. When they figured out what it was going to cost them. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. He who comes to me shall not hunger and shall not thirst. And then he goes on to say in 55, look there. He, he just, it's like, he just goes on with it, with it. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him as the living father sent me and I live because of the father. So he who eats me, he also shall live because of me. This is the bread which came down out of heaven, not as the fathers ate and died. He who eats this bread shall live forever. Verse 59, these things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Many, therefore, of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a difficult statement. Who can listen to it? And Jesus, conscious that his disciples grumbled at this, said to them, and Everybody wants to be a member right up until it costs them their reasoning, see, and that's where we got in this country. We love our traditions and we love our man-made doctrines, but when it comes to difficult statements, and Jesus pins us down and says, hey, what about this I've been getting you to want to work on? What about faith in this area right here to trust me with this in your life? What about just coming to me for who I am? I know you want the benefits and I know you want everything just automatically fixed. But what about coming to me and believing even if I don't? What about coming to me and saying, Lord, your will be done and not my will. Because every disciple of Christ, every disciple of Christ is going to be put in a Gethsemane moment at some point in their life when their mind is being tormented by the devil and you're going to have to make a choice on your knees, bleeding drops of blood. Come on. God, not my will, but your will be done. Salvation 
Your salvation is absolutely free. Nobody's disputing that. But to walk in the anointing, to be transformed, to keep going from one level of faith to the next level, from one level of glory to the next level of glory is going to cost you you. And you're going to have to die to yourself. And you're going to have to look in the mirror and say, yeah, you're a sorry sucker, but God's drawing out. Come on. And your flesh is going to scream and your flesh is going to hate it. It's not going to want to fast. It's not going to want to pray. It's not one going to worship. It's not one going to get up. It's not one going to quit. Come on, are y'all with me? And it's not going to want to have a steady diet of this right here. Jesus said, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And you want to silence the enemy in your brain and get out of that loop that's going around and around and around and around? Feed on this right here. If you want to get anxiety, depression, you want to get all, feed on this right here. Come on, are y'all with me? Man's fixes are only temporary. This is eternal. This is what transforms our lives. Not the gym. Not CrossFit. CrossFit ain't gonna... Tr- transform your life. Yeah, it's just going to make this carton look better and attract everything that is ungodly. (sighs) Come on. Let your life be transformed on the inside by a steady diet of the word, of the bread of life. And when you read in this bread of life, don't just read through it. Stop and chew on it a minute. When something something looks odd or you're curious about something, stop right there because that's God saying, wait a minute, I want to communicate something to you right here in this word. And then he will begin to illuminate that one verse that will transform that area of your life that needed to die to itself. Little by little, these areas are going to change. God doesn't expect them all to change overnight. Church people will. Come on, religious folks won't want everything just be dissolved, it's done, and we're, we're good. Come on. That's not how God works. Jesus gave them people ample opportunity in 
so many ways to not walk off and leave him. He even looked at the 12 and he said, what y'all gonna do? Jesus gave them the same opportunity to walk away Peter, he's just too dumb to go anywhere. He said, where else are we going to go? Nobody else has these words of eternal life, of bread that changes us on the inside. Nobody else. Where are we going to go? Jesus said, you're here. See, that's Christianity. That's the reordering of his church. From members to disciples who have no other place to go. Who are like... I don't have any place else to go. I've bared it all out. I've gave it all up. I've left my boat. I've left my net. Come on, y'all stand with me. See, we there's times we want to hang on to the boat. We want to hang on to the nets. We want to hang on to our old reputation. We Come on. And we don't want to let go. We want to we don't want to die to ourselves to where we say I got no place else to go. Listen, we get in these places at times and God's wanting us to begin to steward our spirit man. What's going on? See, he says in John 6, 60, he said, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. Jesus is always going to get to that point of walking away or saying, not my will, but yours. We're always going to get to that point. Always. I wish it was any other way. I wish I could stand here and say it's, it's different from that. You could say, I wish I could, but we've created such a broke system that that's why there's been so lack of faith. That's why there's been such lack of fruit produced in the culture of church that we've made in America. And people are dying and walking away confused in a battle. And they have no direction of absolute truth because they haven't fed on a steady diet of truth. 
come on. And so in this reordering, in this course correction, we have to realize we have to have a steady diet of the truth of the Word of God. And what does it always say? The truth hurts. The truth hurts. In the quickest way, the absolute quickest way is to start admitting 99% of my problems. What does Blake Shelton do? I can't, my fingers are so stiff, I can't hardly get loose. Or my fault. That revelation, if you can get that revelation, it'll change your life. It'll change your life. We can't keep looking at things through worldly, fleshly lenses. At some point, a decision will have to be made. Disciple or member. Because I'm telling you, we're living in a day that a demand is being put on us. There's a demand being put on us as believers who've come to Christ because he has words of eternal life. There's a demand being put on us. And let me tell you something. A world who is confused right now needs to see us not being confused. Knowing right where we stand in His presence, that's what this world needs to see. That you're not rattled by their unconfusion, that, uh, of their confusion. We can't get rattled at all what they got going. Does that make sense? Because when we feed on a constant, steady diet of truth, we become the salt of the earth and the light of heaven. Father, I thank you and I praise you. I thank you for what you're going to do here in this community. I thank you for what you're going to do in our homes. For the discussions that are going to have to be made. Lord, give us wisdom. Give us wisdom. Lord, it's in your word. Lord, help us to start feeding on this word. To have a steady diet of the word of God. Holy Spirit, I pray right now that this entire week that you will show us, show us truths simple truths that just changes our whole perspective in life when we feed in the word. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love you. Y'all be ready for baptism next Sunday. We'll see y'all.